0: Welcome to Missionary Mindset. This is the podcast where we do a deep dive on all things missions in East Asia. This week, we'll be talking to Ben Hoskins. He's the Associate Cluster Leader for the International Mission Board in Taipei, Taiwan. Today, we'll be discussing their compass training and how it has changed how they approach their ministry. Welcome to the show, Ben. If you don't mind introducing yourself to the listeners, that'd be great.
1: Sure. Yeah. I just first want to say thanks for the invite. Uh, It's it's an honor and I hope to be able to contribute to the discussion and uh, I think it's that's part of what makes it amazing about the body of Christ with all different gifts and we're all in, in this together so I'm just humbled and honored to be a part we yeah I don't know how how, how far back it me to go uh, did not grow up a uh, follower of Jesus met the Lord in in college to my first trip in school there Really had no business go. I, I didn't know what I was doing. There was really no training, but that really started a journey where, as soon as I graduated, did uh, two years right out of school, in the big country, and it's a, really a similar experience. Just went, really was, was young, naive, didn't didn't know much about anything. A wonderful learning experience. Was able to learn just get a, a little bit of language under my belt, a little bit of ministry experience enough to know, hey, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life, and when that two years was done, went back, did graduate school, then later did seminary, uh, also while serving in a, in a church and uh, working a, a job as well, and got married, and then we we applied and came full-time, and so, in that would have been 13 years ago uh, that we came career to the field, and we're, we're in the big country for, for most of that, and then have been in in Taiwan now for two years
0: oh that's and, quite a long time <laughs> uh,
1: and and you know and that, that that time has looked very different depending on the context and what I mean by different uh, I don't just mean different as far as the places but different as far as what our ministry looked like what we as far as some was what we call zero to one just planting a church directly whereas later years of more catalytic and, uh, when I say catalytic, I mean uh, kind of behind the scenes, more training uh, than anything, and then even here now in more of a, a leadership role in the organization. So uh, we've, we've gotten to experience lots of different layers, I guess, and, and levels of, of what it means to do ministry, which has allowed us, I think, the privilege of the blessing of seeing it through different lenses and, and seeing ministry in different different contexts.
0: That's perfect. That's kind of a good segue into my next question. So what is your kind of going forward? What's your main role?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, a, I'm the uh, associate cluster leader in our organization, uh, for, for Chinese, uh, some of the Chinese work and, So I oversee teams in an an area that primarily includes our our teams here in Taiwan. So the the bulk of my role now currently is uh, leading our teams here in Taiwan, which is a real blessing, which gives me the privilege of kind of seeing the work all around the island and then also representing our organization with um, some of the the local convention, the Baptist convention here. And... At the same time, though, this is really a base for what we're doing globally uh, with, with the Chinese work. And so not just looking at what does the work look like here in Taiwan, but what does that look like on a, on a global scale? And so the specifics of that would be uh, some of it is very much within the organization, with a with leadership role in the organization. There's administrative work, supervisory work. But I love getting out. I mean, I love that. And then I also love just getting, connecting with, with our local partners. So really the, the bulk of it essentially would be how are we aligning our strategy as a as an M organization with the local churches and local convention? We're not just looking to do our own thing. We want to be very much in alignment with them. We can be in the background really serving them and equipping them. Uh, so that would include church planter training, evangelism training, discipleship training but also a large part of it now is we have partnered with them to to launch their own Chinese mission sending agency it's called Huayu International Missions Um, and so that is a local Chinese sending agency it's based in Taiwan but it's not just for China it's for for Chinese and and even Asian churches uh, globally can be sent through this uh, entity Um, so that's that's it started out as a small piece of what I was doing, but it's become more and more of what uh, I spend my time doing uh, because that's really, at the end of the day, it's we're, we're called to reach the nation, right? And so it's not just what am I doing in my little piece here, but how is what I'm doing connecting with local partners and then helping them connect to the network, to the church globally to see the, the Chinese-Taiwanese church take the gospel across cultures to the nations. And I think, And it's my desire one day they would very much surpass what we in the West are doing. Not that we're getting out of the game. We're still very much in the game. It's not that we're passing the baton per se, but it's like, hey, let's do this together. So that's very exciting. And, And so we try to see that really holistically. So the evangelism efforts we're doing here on the ground in Taiwan, how is that feeding into church planting? And then how is that feeding into how are, how are we equipping the local churches to send workers out of Taiwan to the nations? So trying to piece those together, uh, which is really what I guess this, that's what this session is specifically about, is churches becoming sending churches.
0: Great. So what, in your mind, is the goal of the church based on your seminar?
1: I think there's a clear theme in the scriptures uh, that God's ultimate purposes is His name worshiped amongst the nations. I mean, I think of Psalm 86, verse 9, you know, David saying, all the nations you have made will come and worship before you and glorify your name. I think of Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, uh, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as waters cover the sea. Um, Of course, we take that, we start even with Genesis, right? God creating and then calling Abraham and making that promise to Abraham, in you all nations will be blessed, and then all the way. To to the book of Revelation, where John sees the vision of every tongue, tribe, and nation. So I think from Genesis to Revelation, that theme of God's heart for the nation is the predominant theme. It's not a theme, I think it's the theme, which is why that's why Jesus, in his final commissions, that's why he commissioned his disciples to go make disciples of all nations, right? We know, like Matthew 28, um, Mark 16, 15, uh, the end of Luke. And even uh, in the beginning of Acts, right? Acts 1.8. Yeah. And so that's not a theme. I think it's the theme. Now, what does it relate to the church, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus, and he, chapters 1 and 2, he's talked about the mystery of the gospel. Well, he, what's that mystery? It's that all nations, it's not just Jews, but Gentiles are part of the kingdom of God, which he then commissions. That's the role of the church. He says in Ephesians 3.10, he says it again in chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, God be glorified in Christ Jesus and in his church. And so uh, to me, those are, um, they're not just implicit, they're explicit, defining this is the role of the church. It's God's instrument for fulfilling his redemptive purposes amongst the nations. So that's why we, when when I get opportunities to connect with churches, whether it's to preach, train. I very much encourage them. This is not, it's not a department of the church. It's not a, it's not a ministry of the church. This should be the ministry of the church. This is why you exist.
0: So would you, when you're talking to church and everything, because typically people at least need defined terms, (laughs) so everybody understands everything. So how would you use the word healthy and mature church interchangeably, or how would you differentiate those two?
1: It's a great question, Kyle. I let me. I want to think about that because I don't want to. The last <laughs> thing I want to do is say anything. I'm not looking to be controversial. I, I, I don't No know worries. Healthy,
0: I can edit it. <laughs>
1: <there>. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't really see that healthy church is the goal in the scriptures. Now, let me just you know pause it and say. Uh, let me clarify. I'm all for healthy churches. My point is simply that's not necessarily the word we see used. What we see is mature the maturity of disciples. Than the maturity of, of a church can we use them interchangeably yeah i think we can and we do and i don't think that's really an issue per se when i get up and say hey i think let's how do we get to healthy church i think people know what we mean by that right yeah but if we want to get uh, specific the word healthy is not really used to describe the disciple or the church it's mature now what would be the difference i think we know that i mean my kids are healthy, praise the Lord, but they're not necessarily mature, right? Yeah. And so we see the difference. Likewise, we see some people that are mature, but they may not be; they may be sick, right? Yeah. Um, we're just talking. And so when we think about what is maturity for a disciple, well, it's I think first off we would say, let's well, knowing what it is I'm supposed to do as a disciple. What is it that Jesus has commissioned me individually, or commissioned us as the church? And then I think maturity is then you go and do that in obedience, which would be circling back to that task to be his instrument for redemptive purposes amongst the nations. So I don't think it's wrong. To, I mean, I, we, in fact, in a lot of our training, we say, what, how do you become a healthy, reproducing, multiplying church? And, and so we use that word. It's not, it's not at all wrong. I just do think for clarity's sake, health, and, and the reason I think that matters is I sometimes think we talk as if healthy church is the goal and i don't see that in the scriptures i think sending church is the goal mature sending church is the goal that i see in the new testament not necessarily healthy church and i think that matters because in my experience whether it's taiwan the big country us wherever i sometimes see churches well intentioned but they're they're pursuing so much what they say health but without realizing it they've neglected Task of the church is to be ascending church, and so what happens is over time that church becomes inward looking, inward focused, and so the the the, the comments I've heard comments say, well, when our church gets healthy, then we'll become a ascending church. I heard that a, a lot, and I, and I it's a well intentioned statement. I just don't think it's necessarily what we see in the scriptures. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we want to reproduce uh disaster churches. Right? We don't want to reproduce train wrecks. We want to pursue maturity, but I think the way we get to maturity is we do what Jesus has commissioned us to do, which would be sending to the to the nations. So that's how I would distinguish them. That the goal is not a theological system per se. The goal is not everybody's perfect. The goal is not. I wouldn't even say the goal is healthy. I would say the goal is mature sending.
0: As you're talking, it, are there churches that? you would not really within the life cycle of the church that you would not recommend sending missionaries from?
1: Well, I think the simple answer would be yes. I mean, if, if a church, what they're teaching, the gospel they're preaching is not biblical then yeah, we don't want to quote for lack of a better word, export that. We don't want to reproduce that. But if a church is preaching a healthy gospel, but there's maybe they're struggling with discipleship, maybe they're even struggling with maturity. Maybe they're struggling to raise up leaders. That kind of church, while struggling, while maybe immature in many areas, I think the way we grow into maturity is doing what Jesus has called us to do. And so I think for churches, so that's what I would tell churches when when a, when a pastor would say, well, we're not going to do missions yet because we need to get healthy. We need to learn. We need to learn some, some this, this. And then what they mean is that they want to maybe set up a kind of theological system per se, all those are fine. But I would tell, I would say, Pastor so-and-so, I think the way you become mature as a church or healthy is you, you start sending. You, you start thinking outside of yourself. You start not looking just inward, but you look out because that's what Jesus has called the church to do. And so I think when churches start sending, that's that's what's leading them to become healthy because they're starting to get their eyes off of themselves. They're looking out. They're beginning to become a blessing to others not just looking to themselves and i think when we do that we become less self-centered we become we grow in humility grow in love for others serving others and that's how we grow as, as disciples so to bring it back yes if a church is is not preaching a, a biblical gospel it's a false gospel it's false teachings then of course we don't want those kinds of churches sending and reproducing themselves but if a church is just struggling they've got some immaturity trying to figure things out hey i I say do do what jesus has called you to do which is send have your heart for the nations pray for the nations you may not be able to send somebody to the middle east today that's you you can have a heart for the nations before you get to that point start praying for the nations. start uh, giving start supporting others start praying for others that's how you get into a heart for
0: god's people When you, when you go to pastors and stuff like that, because I know with your organization, everything that you're part of, they, they typically talk to pastors and churches pretty often. Is there typically a gap sometimes between pastors and missional organizations and kind of not necessarily who's at fault, but like, is, was there a breaking between that relationship? Is that why there was a gap in the first place? Or is there something else that could be the issue?
1: Oh, I think I think the short answer is absolutely that there's a gap. I, I know um, for even for our own organization, we're still very much trying to to bridge that gap. I, I think there was there was a time, maybe still is, when when we as as field workers were our attitude we wouldn't have said this, but our attitude to churches was just give us give us your money and support us and, and pray for us and, and we'll go do the work and you just right. And of course we wouldn't have said it like that, but <laughs> Uh, I think that was the notion of just, hey, you send us your people, send us your money, and we, the mission organization, will do the mission. But of course, you get a massive disconnect there. And of course, the result is churches eventually don't want to be a part of missions. And why would they if they don't know anything about it, and we're not including them? So I can tell you, as as our own organization, we are very much trying to address that. But we're not there yet. We're still trying to figure it out. Very much trying to re-engage churches and say, hey, it's it's not just professional M's on the field that do the work. It's the work of the church. It's not missions is not the work of individual professionals. It's the calling of the church. But there's very much, I think that's still of a, of a disconnect there. And, and I say that, I mean, our, at least we have them, at least we have the blessing of, in some sense, our entity is directly connected to the local church. When when I think you're gonna have an, an entity organization that's that's a not directly connected church it's you have you have the potential for even more of a disconnect and i'll give you an example i uh not long ago was was uh in the office of a local a taiwanese mission director and we were talking and we were discussing this very issue of how to I mean, he was lamenting uh, the lack of interest in Taiwanese churches for global missions and how to get them on board. And he uh, described, and he, knowing my uh, denomination, knew of a local pastor, and he said, "Hey, you know Pastor So." And so I said, "Yeah, I know who he is." I know. him. And he said, "Hey, one time we we had this missions conference, and we invited him, and he just seemed so uh, disinterested. He seemed aloof. He really didn't seem to care about." missions. He didn't seem to care about what we were doing. And that was so frustrating. And I heard him and I could very much sense uh, where he was coming from. It just so happened the very next day, I had, a, I had already scheduled a meeting with that particular pastor. It was unrelated, but I just happened to see him the next day. And we were talking about how do we get the local church more engaged in missions, right? And he said, you know what? I went to this conference uh, last year and he mentioned this very same conference. And he said, I went to this conference with with all these mission organization leaders and they didn't have a clue what we as a local church went through. They didn't have a clue what my life was like as a pastor. They didn't know how to connect with me And I just, I couldn't help but but laugh. I mean, it wasn't funny, but I couldn't help but laugh because these two guys were basically, essentially saying the same thing about others. They were on just completely different plane, right? The the mission organization is saying the local church, they don't know anything about missions. They don't want to do missions. They don't care about missions. And the pastor is saying the the mission, those missionaries, they don't care about us as a local church. They just want our money. They think we don't care. And, And I know both and knowing both of these guys and knowing people in mission organizations, which I'm one of, and knowing people at local pastors, I know that's not the case. And it's simply a matter of how do we meet people where they are? We've got to meet people where they are. We'll never, we don't build partnerships by standing afar and throwing rocks at somebody and saying how bad they are and complaining about it. We have to meet people where they're, and that's not to say we partner with anyone and everyone, um, but that, con, that two days was such, I think that epitomized where we are with mission organizations and local churches. We have to be able to bridge the gap in a better way.
0: Has the organization or has your organization or other organizations come up with any tools or tips or are there any thought processes on how to bridge that gap
1: i'm i'm definitely no no expert we're, we're still in the game learning and what i'm finding is we one like i said we want to meet them where they are so it means pastor so-and-so what are you passionate about what's your vision what are you trying to do what's your hopes for your church what are your dreams for your church instead of just saying hey i want to do missions pastor, and so you in or not right and <laughs> so i meet them where they are G- build a genuine relationship with them i think we all know things don't happen without relationship they don't happen without trust and then kind of circling back to what i said earlier we don't to me it's not just go do missions, right it's it's holistic it, evangelism discipleship church planting missions. you can't separate one and, and, and have the other and so pastor so-and-so is passionate about discipleship he is passionate about evangelism and i very much think evangelism and and missions are two different things. But because he's passionate about evangelism and discipleship, we meet him there and say, well, hey, how can we help? I'm passionate about evangelism. I'm passionate about church here. And so we begin to do that here. That then leads to becoming a sending church. and it's a natural outgrowth when we look at the scriptures and we say, hey, let's do evangelism, let's do discipleship, let's plant churches. We see the natural progression is, okay, let's send to the nations. And so that's what we try to do. So for example, the, the, the compass is what, it's not the only thing we do by, by any means, but it's, it is a, a, a training that we have done with local churches, a, a sort of a framework, if you will, for saying, how do we see the big picture to go from zero all the way to sending church? And so we just meet Pastor So-and-so where he is and say, okay, you're at this stage. Well, hey, let's partner together in this stage, knowing that if we progress together, we'll, become, he'll, we'll get them to sending church. So that doesn't happen. It's not 100% guarantee, obviously, but I think that's how we can start. A- instead of just simply saying, "Hey, let's just do missions together," I will say, most churches and pastors, they want to do mission. They, it's not that they don't want. I think one, they're just overwhelmed with the needs of the here and now. I think that's a natural tendency. Is what's in front of me. That's what I'm going to be busy with, right? And so if a pastor is here at a church in Taiwan, that he's going to be consumed with the needs here and now. His mind's not gonna be on the peoples in, in Iraq or Syria, right? You know, God's part is for that, but how do we get him to that point? It's not that he doesn't care about that, but his needs, his time, he's consumed with the here and now. And so we meet him where he is in the here and now, and say, well, how can we help you Collaborate? How can we collaborate together in this here and now, wherever you may be in that stage, in those stages and then that continuum and then progress from there to eventually get to sending church there. Now that there are some though that when we talk about missions they're like I'm in and I think that's what we have seen that's what we've been blessed to see with with HIM or Hawaii International Missions is this may be dating me but the, the whole field of dreams is if you build it they will come great movie then, I don't want to say it's the same but that's kind of what we have seen is I think they wanted to do missions they just didn't know how and yeah. so when we come along and say, hey, let's let's, let's, frame a stru- let's put a structure in a framework together to send missionaries. That doesn't happen overnight by any means. But when we do that, then churches are like, well, then I'm in. If there's a structure, if there's a, a, a mechanism, a framework for doing missions, then I'm in. They maybe just didn't know how to do it on their own. So I, I don't think it's that they don't want to. I just think we have to meet them where they are and show them what that would look like
0: piece to piece Just a few minutes ago, you mentioned Compass, Compass training specifically. What kind of what is Compass and why is it important?
1: So Compass is a framework that we, uh, in our organization, we've we've developed to essentially say this is the missionary task um, and to break it down, break the missionary task down into stages. Let me say what it's not. It's not the end-all, be-all. It's not the only thing and you have to do it this way. It's, It's not it's not any of those things. It's, it's not even, right? It's, it's all, it's a framework. It's not even something that all of our personnel, you got to do it this way, that way. We're not looking to micromanage in that way. It's simply a framework. And when I use the word framework, I'm using that to distinguish between methods or tools. Uh, the compass is the direction. I and mean, that's right. That's what a compass does, right? It gives you a direction. And what we have found is that oftentimes missionary teams, local churches church leaders they're just simply busy with what's in front of them right so i'm just yeah. going to do this and that that whatever this is may be very good uh, but it may not be the best thing that they need to be doing the compass gives us a direction and a strategic direction to say this is the this is where i'm going and so you you have an end goal sending church or how do you get there and the compass breaks the missionary task down into stages from 0 which would be starting into a harvest field, entry entering that harvest field, evangelism, sharing the gospel with that people group and or city or target group, discipling those you went to the Lord, forming church, and then seeing that infant church become a ascending church. And it breaks it down into stages. And so essentially say, in this stage, what is your strategic plan? I see COMPASS as the strategic framework. Then within each stage, there can be different tactics or different tools and methods used. So I'll give you an example. We think of evangelism. There are many evangelistic tools and methods under the sun, right? There's two ways to live. There's four spiritual laws. There's c to c There's Amazing Love. There's Roman's Road there's three circles, those those are tactics, those are tools. All of them are fine. What I I sometimes tell our our folks, I'm like, if you wanna use C to C, you wanna use two ways to live, you wanna dress up as a clown, I don't really care if it's gonna share the gospel and win somebody to the Lord. So that's what we tell our folks is the tools and the methods are very flexible depending on the context you need. The compass is the strategic framework. So the compass in evangelism in that stage so we we might talk about tools but really what we're going to first look at is defining what is what is gospel what is evangelism looking at the scriptures to see a foundation okay how did they do evangelism in the bible right how did jesus how did the apostles build that foundation talk strategy then the participants the missionary teams the churches they can then go and apply the specific tools to to their context, if that's c to c if that's two ways to live, if that's any three, right? So that's how we distinguish between, right? Compass is just the framework and direction. It's essentially saying, this is the missionary task. Entry, evangelism, discipleship, church formation, leadership development, all the way to sending church. The specific tools and tactics can then be filled in, uh, however one chooses. So it's, it's essentially breaking the missionary task down into stages. So, we use it with um, missionary teams, whether it's our own teams in our organization or uh, Chinese missionary teams we're training. And we use it with local church partners. We'll invite pastors together, we'll do trainings, and then they can then use that to formulate their own plans to implement with their churches to essentially help them do evangelism, discipleship, et cetera. Mm-hmm.
0: How does because I know you, you mentioned like a lot of the steps and the, the training and stuff like that. How is Compass kind of different than a lot of the other training programs that, that missionaries typically try to do in churches?
1: That's a good question. I think the Compass is we try to make very flexible because right we the ministry in Taipei is going to be very different than ministry uh, with a, a UPG in Central Asia, right? Yeah. So the Compass yields a lot of flexibility. And so with Compass, we're trying to come in and where some trainings I think, and we do some of them, we, we have, we very much do trainings and tools and methods. First you do this, next you do this, next you do this. We do some of those. Where Compass would be different is we're not trying to come in and say, first you do this, next you do this, then you do this, and then voila, you've got church. What we're trying to do is say, hey, here's the stages, here's the framework, here's the direction. Okay, in this stage, let's look at the scriptures and see what it says. Now, okay, pastor so-and-so, now it's your turn with your ministry team, with your leadership team, or potentially with other pastors. Now you can discuss, brainstorm, what are you going to do today? And then pastor so-and-so at this church, he may choose to do something very different than pastor so-and-so at another church. One church may have 15 people. Another church may have 300 people. One church may have just planted. Another church may be 70 years old. One may be a church planter who's just launching. Another may be at a mature church trying to get funding. church. So they're at different stages, different contexts. And so because they're different stages in different contexts, we don't want to just come in with a cookie cutter and say, do this, this, and this, one, two, three. The compass is more a framework. And then that Allows them that framework allows them to then brainstorm their own strategic direction. Yeah, oh, so I would perfect. think that that's how we try to make it different. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it's there's so there's a million things under, especially in Taiwan, right? We've got everything yeah. on the on here, and so we try to not that we're trying to be sales. That's not that's not at all. But when we connect with partners, I mean, we have to be able to say what we think partnership and collaboration looks like, right? And I don't think necessarily people are looking for just more training. There's enough of that. Right? Yeah. What we're trying to do is, is do a little bit something different. And so we try to cast that vision of just sending church. Hey, let's. And what if Taiwan was a global base, right? That, like that's a vision we found is exciting pastors, right? And so we're not there yet. And so that's at least the vision we can cast. They say, well, we're not there yet, but that's exciting. What could that look like? What
0: could partnership look like?
1: And then that's how we can then introduce, well, hey, let's This do what we think it could look like.
0: So what does implementing Compass look like? Do you guys, as an organization, do you go in and just kind of do the training and then say, see ya and on to the next church? Or do you uh, leave missionaries in that area or in that church to continue helping evolve that program more? It,
1: it can look, and I think this is what's nice about it. It's flexible, it, it looks different in some of our different contexts. So, with some of our f- people that we train that are not in Taiwan, and I'm more talking in a pre COVID world, although yeah. we do now we do a lot of it in obviously
0: COVID world changed a lot yeah. of things. <laughs> all
1: all, that's right, absolutely. Although we do a lot of it still, I'm talking with so with our partners that are not here in Taiwan. We would in pre-COVID we would we would visit them or connect with them wherever they were. Now we might do it online. For some of those where we're not we don't have as easy access, we might do we might do more intensive training. Hey, let's get together for three, four, or five days and let's just let's knock out several sessions together and just brainstorm, look at the scriptures, right? And then you would knock out several sessions together. The compass is made up excuse me of eight stages. Entry, evangelism, discipleship, church formation, and then infant church, adolescent church, mature church, sending church. And then within that, there's leadership development rings. You get to eventually you have 12 sessions. There's an intro session and you have eight stages. Some of the stages have two, there's two for leadership development. So within each stay, within each session, we break each session down into three. There's pre-work, which they do before they connect with us. There's the session work, and then there's the planning work. The plan is really what are your action steps? What are you going to do to implement once you leave? Each session, we roughly will do about a a day. It's flexible, but I usually will do it in a full, take a full day to do a session. So like I was just saying, with some of our partners who are not here, which we may not be with them, we might, when we see them, we want to take advantage of it. Let's, Let's spend three, four, five days together and do a bunch of sessions at once. You can do that, and then they take it and run with it. That's not as yeah. ideal. What we do here in Taiwan is we have done about once a month or once every two months, we would say, let's take all day, and we would invite local pastors to come. And they would come, and we would spend all day together doing a session. Ideally, they've done the pre-work, but if they haven't, it's in the other world. Then we spend that day doing the session. So that would include, let's look at the scriptures. Let's, let's define terms. Let's see principles. Talk, let's brainstorm, where are you stuck? And then there would be planning work. Okay, now what are you going to do to implement between now and next time? And then they go off and then they implement at their churches. Now in that interim, between sessions, we as as the outsiders, as the catalyst, we then will try to follow up. We follow up with them and say, Pastor, so-and-so, what, where, you're at this stage, where are you trying to implement? They might say, well, we're looking, we're trying to do more evangelism, but we're still stuck. And so then maybe that's a way we can say, well, hey, we could provide advantages with training. All right. And so we're following up with them in the interim to maybe provide more training, more insights, more connections, more help. And then they come back for the next session. And they come back for that next session maybe two months later, and they debrief. Okay, what's happened since last time? Did you implement your plan? What worked? What didn't? What were some victories? What were some breakthroughs? What are some obstacles? we would dialogue through those talk through those and then really then go on to the next session and that's kind of how it works so it's essentially kind of a every two month rhythm where we come together for a full day do a session and then they go back and so right because like when i was in the in the big country a lot of them had more time and so taking a full day taking two days doing trainings that was a little more doable and because they had more of a house, church kind of mindset, reproducible. I found they grasped the concepts, not immediately, but they they would get the concept. Whereas here, right, churches are more, it's more institutional, it's more programmatic. And so they're busy, right? And so a lot of them, are like, come to, come to an all-day training. You're like, no, I don't want to do that, right? <laughs> so we have to very much show them, well, here's... Here's why we think that would be. Here's what we this, here's what it's gonna look like. And then they, of course, they decide if they want to come or not. But then grasping the concept because the church here really looks more like America than it does China, it it definitely takes some time to grasp the concepts of reproducibility, getting out of program mode, thinking what, how did Jesus do discipleship? So that takes time. You don't you don't get that in a day. We've we very much have found the follow-up is essential. And i tell our i tell our teams that like they're not going to come and do a one day training and then it's wow like you're gonna have we got to follow up with them we got to we got to connect with them in the interim meet them where they're at what do they need how can we help because some of them they take it and run with it right they don't they okay. just, we just very much a support role yeah but others it's hey i came to the training i sat there all day to the compass i still don't know what i'm doing right okay well <laughs> let's meet you where you're at
0: yeah so I guess after the Compass training is over, ideally, what does a church look like and what will their future kind of hold for them, at least generally? I mean, there's not any specific answer, obviously.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if we do, if there are 12 sessions and if they're doing about two years, which is what we've been doing here in Taiwan, you're looking at about a two-year commitment, which is a big deal. With other partners, when we did it, some in the big country, it was... We could do them a, a bit faster, but it's not a, it's not a one, one and done thing. I have found, I, I'm not opposed to one day one-off trainings. I'll still do some of those, but I have just found it's, that's just the, the, the return you get on that is, is minimal, right? I mean, it's just, there's only so much you can impact in a couple of hours, right? I think we've just, <laughs> yeah. we have just seen it in my experience. You have to, you have to do ongoing training, ongoing relationships, um, before things are really grasped and, and run with. Trust is built. So my point is it takes a while to do the training. And, and a lot of churches don't last the whole time, right? I mean, that's, that's just normal. We've just seen that. But there's a lot there the first day and they slowly die off. By the time you get to session four or five, you see who's really in, who's committed. Yeah. That helps our teams too. They know who, where should they focus their efforts, where should they invest deeper, In a perfect world, hey, they they go each stage and just at each stage, they just progress. Oh, we do evangelism, boom. You know, in a month or two months, they've got a thriving evangelism ministry. Wow, wow, now we're ready to do discipleship. And then boom, they're just making disciples. And then voila, then churches are formed. It, It doesn't, that's not reality. Sometimes, right? Sometimes churches really get it and run with it. But other times it's much more fluid. Like, so we might be on session five discipleship some churches and pastors they're right there along long run with us they've got it others they're still trying to figure out what what is entry what is it like they're still back at session two right and they're still trying to figure it out and then others it's like session six and they're like oh now I get it right so they're all running at different speeds and I would say as an aside we found sometimes if we do it with an individual church with an individual leadership team you can get much more contextual and tailor it to them and go at their speed. When we're doing it with lots of different churches and pastors together, we just kind of have to go at one speed. And so they're all going to be at different places. In addition, they're all at different places on that continuum. Some of them, like I said, they're looking to start a new church. They're still at zero. Others they're at a church that's been there for 70 years and they're just trying to turn the boat around into a new direction. The others they're, They've got a thriving evangelism ministry. They're just trying to figure out how to do discipleship. Others, they've got, you know, eight people and they're just trying to figure out how do we get to 15 people? So they're all at different places. So I would say, yeah, in a perfect world when we finish two years, they're all sending missionaries to the nations, but that's not reality.
0: Yeah. But
1: I would say if we can see progress and then praise God, right? I mean, if, if a church that had 15 people and had not shared the gospel with anybody in five years starts sharing the gospel and all of a sudden they see some people come and praise God, right? then, then we'll yeah. celebrate that. If a church plants a new church and praise God, we celebrate that. If a church becomes missional and wants to send workers to the nations, then we celebrate that. And just understand they're all gonna go at different speeds. God's doing different things with them. But uh, yeah, in the, the day, what do we wanna see? We wanna see sending church, right? Winning people, winning a loss, making disciples, sending good
0: What's, what's been the most challenging part of compass, whether it's with working with pastors specifically, obviously, um, is it just the pastors not having time or is it apathy or per, obviously different personalities? What's been your most, when it comes to challenges within working with churches, what's been the most common theme, I guess, of those challenges?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Kyle. I would say one is overcoming the notion that it's a cookie cutter method. Like I said, there's everything under the sun out there. And I think I've noticed with local partners and even with our own colleagues, there's a bit of a hesitancy whenever there's the smell of a cookie cutter. Like, oh, I don't, I don't, right. I don't need any more cookie cutter methods. Um, I got enough of that. And so trying to say no no no, this is simply the framework a framework for doing the missionary task that's all it is we're not this is not a a a, you know church in a box and then two weeks
0: church one one size fits all
1: it's not a one size fits all yeah it's not it's not and so um just saying no no this is not a method this is not this is simply that how do we do the missionary task and let's just think strategically about that direction you then can decide what that looks like so I think one is kind of overcoming that when there's tr- everything under the sun already to say, well, I don't need any more training, or I already to simply say, no, no, this is simply the the MTAs. Let's let's do it together. Let's talk about it and do it together. That's one. Two, I would say, overcoming pessimism when I've just found a, a number of of local partners and pastors are just discouraged jaded maybe and so kind of rekindling that faith that sense of wonder that that idea that hey god is able takes time uh and so so sometimes we see people come participate and they're like well that won't work or can they kind of give reasons why it won't work right and so just trying to encourage people why don't you just step out in faith and try see what god does right um that's a a second one and then I think a, a third one, oftentimes, is just dysfunction, disagreement within leadership teams amongst churches, um, where maybe maybe a participant, a pastor, says, "Hey, I get this. I would love to do this, but my deacon board they won't, won't let me." Or, "I get this, but my my other tongans, my other staff, they don't they don't they're not on board." Or, right? And so you kind of just see, whereas well, in in the mainland, when we would do stuff, they were much more like a house church or a house church network would really be like one guy. And so if he wanted to do it, then everybody did it. <laughs> so you things would kind of get rolling much quicker there. Whereas here, there's there's a lot more, I don't even want to say infighting or conflict, but there's much more internal dynamics that, yeah. that kind of get in the way. Almost
0: politicking.
1: <laughs> yeah, Paul, that's a good word for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, those are some of the things that we uh, see. And, and I think we just have to just, I mean, we very much don't want to get involved in people's things like that. We're just like, hey, we're just here to help collaborate, work together to do the, this task. So however we can help, you know, so we just, we try to very much be servants, catalysts. Uh, we, I feel like that's our role as, as the M, the outsiders. Like, we want to be a catalyst. We want to be launching you, helping you. We're starters, right? We're not, we're not really pastor, right? We want to say Paul was not the pastor. He was more the catalyst. to start it and then and, and pass it on to somebody else. So we try to very much be that, be the catalyst, launch the work, help somebody else do the work, see somebody, you know, I, I see them succeed. So that's we're trying to kind of take more, more of that role, whether it's local churches doing church planning here or working with them to partner together to send uh, Taiwanese
0: chinese i have a feeling based on what you're saying that a lot of times it seems like missionaries have to almost convince local churches that we're not here to take over we're here to assist oh (laughs) Uh, Oh, absolutely
1: and i and i think there's 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 justified in that because it has happened right it has happened where where missionary comes over and, and takes over and and that's why I like you know we you know we have a good setup with, with the, the local church we're at they know they know we're not there to take over the church and they've become just a wonderful partner of ours they know like I'm personally a lot of Sundays preaching elsewhere but that we're very much want to be involved where we host a home group with the church so they they know where I'm not there to take over they, they know I'm there to say hey let's work together let's partner and so, the, that's, that's what we want, and that's what we're trying to, and so when I connect with other churches, I, you know, I think they know, I had to, we had to clarify that. This is what we, in our organization, this is our role. This is what we do, because I don't think they knew. We've had a long history here, but that had looked different over the years. And so that was very much, that's very much been part of what I've we've tried to do the last couple of years, is really frame that narrative. This is who we are. This is what we, we could see ourselves doing. We, we want to help you all fulfill your goals. We want to help you all do the things you feel like God's calling you to do. We want to help you become all that God wants you to be and do what God wants you to do. And we just want to be the catalysts behind the scenes. And so it's taken, it's still, we're still in that process, but very much trying to frame that narrative of, yeah, we're just, we're here to be partners. We don't want to take over, but I can see why. I mean, cause sometimes that has happened.
0: Yeah. yeah. I've definitely seen it happen before and, you know, not just in Taiwan, but, but missionaries around the world. And I feel like a lot of times they have all the best intentions, but the follow through obviously is not, not great. Any, any final things that you'd have maybe to sum up what compass is and kind of how y'all plan to implement it as well as final word, basically.
1: Yeah, man. I just appreciate you. I appreciate the invite. Uh, we're we're very much we love wanting. It's it's not just it's not just our organization. It's not just our teams. It's just it's it's got to be a global effort, a partnership, collaboration. That's how we're gonna only way we'll fulfill the Great Commission. And so very much trying to have a, We do not have it all figured out. we we're, we're on that journey with all of you all. And so when like when it comes to compass, it's I just cannot say enough. It's not it's not a one size fits all. It's not we don't even tell folks you got to do this. It's just this is hey this is how we're framing the missionary task, and that's all it is. It's just a, it's a way to conceptualize the missionary task and put it into the nuts and bolts uh, of a ministry. And so that's all we're trying to do. It's simply coming alongside a local church and a local pastor, and saying, pastor so and so we want to work with you all to fulfill a missionary task but this is let's let's just do this together let's talk about it strategize and do it together that's all we're doing with compass it's a chance to sit down at a table and talk with local partners about how to advance the gospel and that's that's what we're trying to do and it's not perfect it's messy it's hard there's relationships like you said there's politics and uh, the enemy wants to disrupt and distract And so we just, we're doing all we can to throw those obstacles aside, keep pressing on in faith, believe that God is able. Um, and, And my goodness, right, we've all seen this past year and a half, this has brought every obstacle and challenge, right? It just seems like there's new ones every week. And so it's every day just recalibrating our hearts and saying, no, God's still with us. God's not done. God's at work. Let's press on in faith. Let's keep at it. And so that's that's what we're trying to do. And by his grace, we're we're still still we've still got today. And because he lives, we can we can face tomorrow.
0: Well, guys, that's it for this week. Thanks for joining us as we learn about all things missions in East Asia. A big thank you to our guest, Ben Hoskins, as well as Dale, our editor, and Nelson, our producer. This podcast is brought to you by Taiwan Missionary Fellowship. Till next time. Bye.